In a world full of boring stories, bad videos, and marketing misinformation, one very tall man with a weird last name will use his microphone. This thing on? Use his video marketing knowledge. It's the red button, right? And use his friends. Please be on the show. To change that. You are listening to The Garlic Marketing Show with Ian. What? No, that's how you pronounce it. Well, if you say so, your host, Ian Garlic. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show. I've got a great friend, an amazing guest, and who's going to give you some incredible information. He's helped me out in the past with public speaking and uh, and improv and storytelling, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and he's got some pretty interesting facts. Before we get started, let's just talk about our sponsor, Story Cruise. You know, if you're looking to improve your story, tell your story, um, capture your customer stories, there's no better way than video, but you need videographers that are trained in marketing, trained to capture those stories and understand where they're going to be used. Storycruise.com will help you find local videographers, editors, and strategists in your area. Go to storycruise.com. All right, my guest today has won Carnival Idol. Yes, Car- yeah, I know you've all heard of it, Carnival Idol, uh, where, you know, won it by, pl- by singing Respect by Aretha Franklin, which is brave, very brave. I think it's more brave, actually, Mike, than, you know, having to go up in front of, like, TV, because it's like, I'm now going to have to be stuck on the ship with all these people for a week. <laughs> right. If you're awful, then everyone's going to see you at the buffet and be like, ah, oh, the guy with the French fries, he's the one that totally biffed it on that song. <laughs> Mike yeah. and Nino, thank you so much for being on the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I think this is a, what a fun way to start, right? <laughs> it is. Uh, Mike's awesome. If you ever, you know, I've been to a few trainings with him and, you know, I'm always looking to improve speaking. And we're going to talk about that today, the best ways to do it. But, uh, you know, one of the things we're going to talk about, too, is how do you use it really for your business in ways that besides just getting paid as a public speaker? And I think it's absolutely crucial. Um, so, Mike, tell, let's, before we get started, let's, you know, you've got an awesome background. Let's do it real quick. I mean, it's on your website, MikeAtNino.com. But let's tell real quick about your background. Yeah, I, I, uh, I grew up as a kid with like nothing. My parents were teenagers. I was super, super poor my whole life. And I realized really quickly as I was growing up that like we got to create whatever story we wanted for ourselves that, you know, I don't know whether you're woo woo and you're into the universe or uh, you're, you're praying to, to some kind of deity or whether you just believe in yourself. Uh, we get to decide what story we play into and the things that happen to us, what they end up meaning. And so I've always kind of known that I, I went into the restaurant industry when I was a young improv actor, as most young improv actors do, <laughs> and was way more successful in the restaurant industry than I was in the improv industry. Although there's not a lot of money to be made there unless you get an SNL job or something. And so uh, I grew several restaurant brands, ended up as a partner in one, sold that to a private equity firm. And after that said, huh, there's something about this whole blending of storytelling and speaking and communicating and running a better business. And so in 2014, I moved out to LA to, uh, to chase the dream of, of becoming some kind of consultant or something I didn't really know. And that led me to workshops, teaching workshops, which led me to public speaking as a keynote speaker. And, uh, and that led me to people saying, wait a second, when you're on stage, all of our employees are listening to you 
how do I get them to do the same thing to me? And so I started teaching public speaking and storytelling skills for leaders, for entrepreneurs, and, uh, and then today I work with authors and anyone who has a reason to be in front of other people and to help move them towards making a decision. Uh, those are the folks I love the most. Love it. And you, you also have a new podcast, relatively new, 14 or so episodes in, The Mic Drop Moment. That's a great name. Uh, and I'm assuming you're talking about all this stuff on there as well. Yeah. So the mic drop moment, actually, it's so funny. The name came about, I was in a mastermind group and I think that, you know, one of the things I do with people with public speaking and storytelling is it's always about the truth, like their truth. When you stand up there and you're in your truth, you're not worried about pleasing people. You're not worried about, uh, what the right thing to say is, but you're speaking your truth. I feel like that's when you do have the mic drop moment. You're like, boom, I just said my truth. And the audience feels it as well. So I was on this mastermind call and someone was talking about these things in their business. And it was the same thing again and again, or whatever the case was. And I was like, look, okay, here's a deal. You got to do this and you got to do that. And you're amazing. And you need to own this part of your thing and you need to put it out there and go do that. And don't talk to us until you get it done. And the other people were like, whoa, mic drop moment. And then I was like, oh, that's funny. I should have a show. And they're like, no, you should have a show. That should be the show. <laughs> and so it took a little while, but eventually we, we did the mic drop moment. It's obviously a play on my name, M-I-K-E, instead of M-I-C for microphone. And uh, it's fun. We interview people who are public speakers, people who are storytellers, people who are uh, you know, business people of different types. And we talk about how do you shine when the spotlight's on you? And, uh, and it's been a really fun fun thing. And we do episodes where it's just me. I call those wine and wisdom Wednesdays. It's just some little nugget of things I've learned. And I pair it with wines because I used to be a sommelier. And so it's like, why not? It's my show. I can drink wine and talk if I want. And, uh, and that's been really fun too. People have written in and said, I've tried the wine you recommended and it was perfect with this. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, the wine world. Wow. It's like, it, that's a multi-purpose, you know, and you can, <laughs> you should listen to the podcast while driving. Just don't drink and drive. That's uh, <laughs> good. Go to the drive to the liquor store, bring the wine home and then finish the podcast at home. There we go. Perfect. Uh, um, so, you know, it's what's interesting to me, too, is I, I want to talk about a little bit about improv and the importance of that, because I feel that that's an important skill for any speaker to have, no matter what. And I want to talk a little bit about that later. But right now, you know, when you talk about storytelling and you're talking about the restaurants, you know, there's some things that people are like, oh, I need to tell my story. But what were the stories that you were telling because I feel that people tell the wrong stories, you know, and it doesn't work. How are you deciding what stories that, that were important as you're building these businesses and building these brands? I mean, you're so right. I mean, think about when, you know, like with the, the growth of, of like TED or TEDx in the early, in the mid, it started, in, it started in, the, in the 80s, I believe, but it didn't really pick up until YouTube because then it made these videos very viral and spreadable. And that happened at the same time that a lot of people started calling themselves keynote speakers because there were a lot more conferences and you were invited to speak. So why not? And you got to brand yourself on LinkedIn. So why not call yourself a keynote speaker? And the videos were out there. All of this was happening at the same time. And one of the things that I think happened was our idea of what a speaker was, was a motivational speaker, like an old school mm -hmm. motivational speaker, or someone who was maybe speaking on stage to sell something or a TED talk where often it was open with a story that shows your vulnerability and it was used in a way, you know, maybe to manipulate the audience. And then it wasn't really related to the actual content you were there to teach. And I think that a lot of people ran with that and it was like, Oh, if I open with a story about me, it will help. 
And that's not always true. And so I think that's where this idea of like, Telling stories is great, but not all stories should be told for all purposes. And so when I think of leadership role, when I think of, of sales even, I do a lot of workshops for people that are trying to learn storytelling for sales because they realize that's the most effective way to guide people to a decision. It's not about finding the story that makes them like you. That's not really the goal. The That happens more through your presence or something else because someone who's like, really not there, but telling a story doesn't really do anything. But someone who's got great uh, presence with you and telling a mediocre story probably gets good results. And so it's never about the story of you so that you can get them to like you or trust you or any of that. What it's about is a story that helps them make a decision. And so in the case of when I was back in the restaurant industry, I realized, you know, we could get up there and I could tell the story of, you know, a burrito or the story of our origin, how we started this healthy quick service concept. It was called protein bar and kitchen in Chicago. And I could go back and I could say in 1999, this happened. And then this happened. And the reality for most people is that's not that interesting. And it's not going to make them do anything different versus telling a story about one of our customers lives who was changed because he started eating a healthier diet every day. He replaced his, you know, Chipotle with, or Chipotle is going to come after me now. He <laughs> replaced his Chipotle with, with protein bar and kitchen and started uh, just doing that and walking a little bit more and how it was part of this thing that like led him to getting really good, uh, really good metrics back for his heart health. That story is so much more meaningful than, hey, we thought it'd be cool to start a company here and there because what I was trying to do was inspire the employees to realize that they were doing something really cool, that they were changing the world, one burrito at a time in a way. And me just telling my story or my partner's, uh, my business partner's story, sure, okay, that sounds cool. But getting someone enrolled in a story to say, I want to be part of that, that was the big difference. And so with, with any story, and we all tell them all the time, it's about stepping back first. And instead of saying, what story do I want to tell? It's saying, what's going on with this specific audience right now? Where are they at already? And where do I want to take them to? And how can I use the story as the vehicle to get them there? And when you do that, I think the world opens up quite a bit around what stories you can tell. And also you have a much better chance of, of getting what you want. I think anytime that we're speaking on a podcast, on a stage, in a boardroom, on a video, our goal is to try to help that audience make a decision. Our job is to put the information, sequence the information in front of the audience so they make a decision. Whether it's, you know, the next time they're going to go throw some trash to look for a trash can. Whether it's to stop using straws. I live in California and so we don't have straws here anymore because turtles. Uh, and isn't that interesting how the story of a turtle changed? Yeah change the recycling the straw thing for so long so it's yeah it's just amazing to me too because it's like oh the straws but then we still have starbucks with full plastic cups but no right. straw <laughs> right right it's and it's and it's and it's not new information we knew the information it was yeah. just wrapped in a story that helped us make a decision and so yeah. our job when we're in front of people is to to be so good they may decide not to go with us they may decide not to listen to us but make that a decision they have to make versus saying I don't know. I didn't really learn anything. Put it in front of them so they have to make a decision. I think that's where all great communication is. And I think that's what great stories do. 
That is fan- That's great. You know, it, it, that's such a great point. Make them have to make a decision. Um, and I, you know, you, you touched on something that I, I want everyone listening to pay attention to is when, you know, Mike was talking about knowing the person, but also knowing where they are right now, that that situation, understanding what moment they're in is so crucial because, you know, your story might be relevant to them, but it's probably not relevant to them on the back of a menu. Right. <laughs> I see this all the time at restaurants. It's like these big paragraphs that no one really cares about because it's not funny. It's not entertainment. It's like, oh, my mom did this and blah, blah, blah this. I'm like, all right. Um, you could have put the wine list there. Um, so, um, so when you're seeking out those stories and you're looking for those and you're coaching your executives and, and helping them find those stories, what mechanisms are you using to find those right stories? Well, it's a couple of things. I mean, what you're speaking about there, I call the pre-life. What's going on with the person before they sat in the room with you? I I took a, back when I was like a a little baby actor, I flew to LA from Chicago to take a commercial acting class with a woman named Carolyn Berry. She's iconic. Um, She's still, they still run her school. She's, she's no longer here, but they still run her school, Carolyn Berry. And I took a commercial acting class because I was starting to book commercials in Chicago where I was playing like somebody in a, in a um, personal injury lawyers video or something like that, like local Chicago commercials. And so I was like, Oh, I want to, I want to do a national commercial. So I should go get some training. So I came to LA, I got some training. And one of the things that she trained us, because think about a commercial, it always starts off with a person being so happy about their toothpaste. It's like, I love having great teeth or somebody feeling so distraught about their bills. And it's like, well, what was going on right before the camera went on? So when they edited in that scene, what was happening before it? And she called that the pre-life. What's the pre-life of this scene, of this story? And I think that's a really helpful thing for people to think about when they're communicating is What's the pre-life of your employees if they're in front of you? What's the pre-life of your, of your um, customer? What's the pre-life of your audience if you're doing that? Even your video audience. What were they doing right before they started watching this? I think this is where people mess up on their about page. The about mm-hmm. page is kind of like the back of the menu that you just said of like, in yep. 1949, Nona came over from Italy and now we have great meatballs for you. Yeah. <laughs> so the about page is the same thing. When I was clicking on... When I got to your website and I clicked on the about page, what was happening right before for me? Well, what I was thinking is, well, does this person get me? Do they really understand me? And so what if you flipped it so that your about page started with them? If you go to my website, mikeanino.com slash about, I don't even introduce myself until like halfway down. I say, you know, there are three stories we tell, the, the one in our head, the one we actually say, and the one that our audience hears. And it's important for you to do this and that. Great stories help us do this. And then finally I say, and I know because I've done this. Because when someone goes to that page, I want them to say, whoa, he gets me. This is for me. (laughs) If you start off with, I'm amazing. I have certifications. I've done all these things. That's about you. And it's not about the audience. And so I think that's what great leaders can do is to stop and say, if I want to take the audience to a certain destination, and I know that the story or the speech or the, the copy is the vehicle to get them there, then I need to know where they started from because how can I possibly get them somewhere if I don't know where they've been? And so a lot of times when we're looking for stories, we have those two destination points, the where are they now and where do I want to take them to? And then we look and say, okay, well, if I know that you're in a place where you don't believe that video marketing is that important, 
and I want you to realize the power of telling your story on video, then I just can't start talking about how amazing video is. I need to deal with the fact that you don't see it today. So I need to find some way to say, well, how can I help them change their mind there? It is not going to be information. We're drowning in information. And I don't know, if information or knowledge could make us change, I'd be so fit and healthy and read <laughs> everything on being fit, healthy, and zinned out. It's the story that moves us. It's true. It's true. It's funny. Anyone that listens to the show knows, I mean, you're saying exactly that. You know, we talk about it all the time. The about us is about them. And it's so crucial to what you're saying is so important for people to think about. I was just thinking about today because, you know, listening to a book on uh, NLP and, you know, it's really the whole key of NLP is really understanding the other person and (laughs) taking the time to understand the other person. And, and that's fantastic information. So, what you know are you training people to do this how what are you training how are you train them to find this out or to think about that is there a, a specific way that you do it especially for preparing for a speech yeah you know a lot of times when people sit down to prepare a speech they'll think about well often what happens is they open powerpoint and they start adding words to slides We've all, <laughs> probably all been uh, victims of that at some point i know i used to do it because i didn't know any better i thought well, the slides are the vehicle of communication. So let me just start designing my slides and then I'll figure out what to say. And so uh, I really do look at it like a treasure map. And I have this, uh, this method called the spotlight method. And we basically say, there's all these different spotlights we have to figure out. And we have to figure out the spotlight on the character, which is the audience to me. And, you know, I have, this always makes me unpopular, but the whole idea of like an ideal customer avatar if that person isn't an actual human being and it's like my ideal customer is a 32 to 49 year old woman (laughs) who maybe lives in the suburbs, but she could like the city. She might have a cat, a dog or a small pony. That's not anyone. That's that's everyone. (laughs) That's wimping out versus having a, like, like saying Jessica is a 32 year old mom who runs a, a digital design company from her house. Her husband is a stay at home dad and she works in the basement every day, creating amazing content for her people. When she goes to bed at night, she worries about this, this, and that. So that is where we start there at the beginning. And then we start at the end and we say, okay, so what do you want, Rachel? What do you want, Jessica? What do you want, whomever your client? What do you want them to do at the end? And then we look and say, okay, so for someone to go from where she is now to where she is there, what are the series of decisions she's going to have to make along the way? And then how do we position stories data, information, how do we present that in a way that helps her make a decision to say, yep, I need some of what they're selling. I need some, even if the thing you're selling is just an idea, you may not be actually selling anything. You may not be selling anything for money, but you're selling a way of thinking, a way of being. And the only way we get there is by saying, who is the character today? What do we want her to do? And what needs to happen in the middle for her to become the person that does the thing at the end? Once you do that, then you can weave through and say, okay, how long do we have? Do we have a two-minute video? Do we have a, a, a you know, 700-word page of copy? Do we have a 45-minute speech? How, what can we do to do that with her? And sometimes what we'll find, much like I'd imagine with video, when, when the team is working with folks like from Story Crews, it's, uh, we're going to need a string of videos because there's a lot of decisions that she's going to have to make. And so we're going to do this one, which leads to this one. And so now we've got this library of, you know, kind of breadcrumbs, if you will, 
that leads her eventually to become the kind of person who does the thing we need. Love it. And it, it's so, so true. And so, you know, it, it, you know, this is how we, I, this is how we work, you know, with the agency, this is how I train videographers, you know, with story crews, this is what we train people in it. And I'll tell you that I didn't bring Mike and I didn't talk about this before the show. We didn't, this wasn't it. And you see, if you listen to this, it's a parallel because this is what works. This is what works. So now let's think about, because you were talking about selling from, you know, you tipped on selling when you speak, but really I I liked when we were talking about before is how to use your speaking in other ways to influence your crowd, to build a tribe, to influence your business that isn't necessarily selling from stage or getting paid to speak. Sure. How are you doing that? And how are you using this technique to make that happen? Yeah, there's so many, there's so many ways. A lot of times I think when people see becoming a professional speaker or a public speaker, it's this process of like, what are all the things I need to do to to become a $25,000 keynote speaker? Or, okay, I have to go to a conference and from the stage tell people they need to run to the back of the room because I've only got 10 online courses, which is always strange because like, (laughs) where does the scarcity in an online course come from? (laughs) We only have 10 seats. Um, This is when I make, this is when I make enemies, but I think, you know what, you got to make enemies in the world. So the reality is there's all of these different ways, because if you think about it, the real job that we're trying to do with public speaking of any type is to make, to influence people in some way, whether it's a, a convocation speech at a college, we're trying to influence people to be inspired and to feel good about what they've just done. If it's a uh, political speech, we're trying to get people to rally behind us, to donate, to fundraise, whatever the case is, to vote for us. If it's a business proposal and you're pitching your business to someone, you're trying to help them make a decision to work with you. If you're on stage and you're trying to get the audience to make a decision to change the way they are or to buy something from you or to run to the front of the room to say, do you have a business card? How do we work with you? I'm ordering your book right now on Amazon while you were speaking. That's like the best thing is when you're speaking and you've like casually mentioned your book and then afterwards people come up, they're like, I ordered your book already. And it's like, <laughs> yes, it worked. Because public speaking is, is ultimately about influence. And marketing is ultimately about influence. You, I don't think you're a very effective public speaker or marketer or influencer if you can't actually get people to do something. That's the job of it. And, and I would imagine even uh, my moms and my dads out there, public speaking in front of your kid is yeah. often an effort to get them to do something. That's the <laughs> harshest audience, I think, right? Yeah. And so- They have no respect. They have no respect. <laughs> they have no time, nothing to put back on the, the fun games on TV. So, so what's in between that? Well, some people go and they speak. I, I work with, with authors who don't have any dreams of traveling around the world or, or getting on planes and getting uh, speaking fees. But they know that if they go out and they speak at a local gym or they go and speak to real estate offices, that people will buy their coaching, will buy their, their social media training. I just worked with someone recently who does, who does a local... Instagram marketing. So they, they help local businesses with Instagram marketing because there's such a, I learned a lot in the process of it. And her ideal audience is she doesn't need to go travel around in an airplane. She's going to real estate agents. She's going to uh, small restaurants, restaurant groups. She's uh, at, telling the real estate groups, hey, I'll come in and I'll teach a free masterclass for an hour to your team. And then 
they'll get valuable insights and they'll leave. And some of them will say, that was so valuable. I want help with this. And they walk up to her and they say, how do we join your program? How do you work with people? And then she's in a perfect position to say, oh, I've got a couple of ways you can work with me. You can then multiply that same thing and say, well, I do want to do that. So I will go speak at a state conference for HR professionals because I hate, hate, I help HR professionals with H, you know, XYZ. So then you go and you do that. And then at the breakout, they come up. There's this challenge, I think, this whole idea of speaking for free. And people just think I have to speak for free until someone gives me a check for speaking. And the reality is like, I've, I, I just did this the other day. I was talking to someone. I made $250,000 from a free gig. From a free gig. Why? Because I went up there, I did a killer job, and then I was able to book spin business, spin business, spin business uh, from that. And so speaking for free is a, is a way to do that if you know what you're doing and you know how to align your message and your story so that people say, I, how do I, I, I'm begging to work with you. What do I do? And you don't ever have to mention your actual services or product or run to the back of the room and meet me to, to sign up for my consulting at all because the speech, the stories have actually done that for you. Yes. And it's, I mean, I've seen it work and it works for me, works for uh, all of us that do it. And, uh, and even if you are looking to get paid to speak, you need to speak. Like you were saying, you do need to get, you need to speak for free. But I think speaking to the small audience is sometimes even better. Um, but along the lines of speaking, you know, one of the things I love when you talk about it is improv. And <laughs> now here's the thing. It's, I want to talk about improv, but also having your talk practice. Because a lot of people I say, say oh, I don't need to practice my talk because I'm going to improv it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's, let's make sure. Okay, first, how do you develop improv skills? And then how do you incorporate it in speaking and what should not be done? So I've got three questions for you. Boom. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, improv, improv skills are coming from the world of improvisational theater. If you've ever been to Second City or Improv Olympic, uh, you've seen it there. It gets conflated a lot with what you see on Saturday Night Live, which is sketch, which means they've actually used improv. They've maybe improved in the writing room to come up with ideas that then the ideas become the thing that they put on the show. And that is actually how I work with my speakers and my entrepreneurs and my authors is we go through and we work on all these stories. We, we map them out. We think through what is the content you need to teach? How can stories help with it? When are you going to use facts and data? And we use improv to come up with all the ideas. I get them on their feet. I get them wandering around talking to themselves. I give them story prompts so they can kind of come up with, and I say, okay, I'm going to ask you a question and just go. And they have to go right away. We record it. Sometimes something, nothing helpful comes out. Sometimes a really good idea that then we can take that improvised idea and we can weave that and tell it and move it around so that it becomes a really captivating story. So for me, for example, I don't, this is the, this is going to be a shocker because I've trained a lot of speakers. There's nowhere in the world where there's an actual script of my speech. Wow. I give almost the same exact speech minus a few places where I customize it for that audience. I've given almost the same speech for three years. I've never written it down. So how did I do it? Well, it is based on five stories. And then those stories have very easy ideas and data and information that connect to them. 
So I know my opening story is about food, how we all go searching for food and we all look online and we ask strangers where to eat. And then that story leads me to talk about how we do that in business. We read Harvard Business Review. We buy books, hoping that if I learn the five steps to speak like Ted, I'll be an amazing public speaker. But the reality is that's not really how it works. So then that leads me to a content chunk. And then that content chunk leaves me with a question, which makes me tell another story. And so I've weaved it all together, almost like a, like a set list or like a storyboard that isn't memorized. But if you were to watch it, if, if you were on the road with me, Ian, and you said like, oh, I've seen Mike do this three times. It's almost the same minus these places where it's customized for, you know, uh, audio, manufact- audio manufacturing industry or pawn shop leaders. I, I spoke there a couple of weeks ago. And the, the reason I can do that and the reason that I can be fully present and alive in the presentation is because I'm telling stories and weaving them together with some information. If the slides go down, I don't need them. I can do it without the slides. And that's the power of using improv to come up with the ideas and stories that you then practice, tell. And my, my advice to people, if they're thinking of this and they say, okay, great, I've got a speech coming up at a conference. I'm going to do what, what Mike said. It was, it, was, it was interesting. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to open with this story is tell the story at your kitchen table to your, to your husband, to your wife, sit down at the kitchen table and tell that story so that they can, they can get it in their bones. So they can really understand like, how does the story go? When does it become interesting? When does it become boring? When does someone fall off? Tell the story in your car, tell the story in a meeting so that when you're on stage telling it, it's not something you've rehearsed and practiced. It's just something that's in your bones and you've lived. Like if I were to ask you when you, when you started your business, you don't need to memorize that story. You know it. That's the same thing that I think we should do with public speaking because it will come across more natural, honest, and authentic for people. And that's great. And you know, I think also a big point out there is it's not, it's, you should have what I, you know, what I call an arsenal of stories, have a bunch of stories, but, um, and not be telling the same story all the time, but you have the set of stories that you, you go to over and over again. Right. And, and you've, and you've rehearsed them. And I think that's an important thing because, you know, when you go to anywhere, you can now use a piece of that story. Um, that's fantastic. That is good. So what, I mean, what are the keys to, to improv, to, to doing improv to figure out these stories? How, how yeah, do you so, do that? So improv specifically for stories, for public speaking, for presentations, I would say is to sit down and you've got your, do the exercise I said at the beginning, really think about what's the current state, what's the pre-life of my, of my character in the audience. Pick one person and really, really think about where were they right before? What were they thinking? What were they talking about? What were they complaining about to their friends? What were they looking for answers for on Google? What podcasts were they hunting down to help them with the problem? So start there and then say, this is what the destination is when all their dreams come true. And then you look at that and you say, okay, what would be the points along the way? If that's a journey, if they get in a bus over here in Problemville and they're going to head up to, to dreamland, then what are, the, what are the stops along the way? What decisions do they need to make? Now you've got that lined up. Then I would look at those and I would say, okay, for each of those, let's talk about when you experienced that as the storyteller. Was there a time when that happened to you? Was there a time that that happened for a client? Was there a time where something like that happened in the world? For example, in the opening of my keynote, I move on from talking about how, you know, 
I'm here in Nashville and I didn't want to eat at the wrong places. So I asked my friends, I asked the internet, they told me where to eat. Um, isn't it funny how we search for answers and we all think we're going to do it. And then I go on to talk about the cargo cult, which is this thing that happened after World War II in Micronesia. Yeah. That's not a story about me or my clients, but it's a story that clearly highlights we can't just do what other people do in order to have what they have. It's, it takes more work than that. So then I found that story and I thought, ooh, this isn't about me or a client, but it's a really good story that teaches a similar lesson. So you go through and you say, okay, here's all the decision points I need them to make. When has someone else made it? What's an association of that? When was a time when I felt that way? When was a time that the world felt that way? Interview other people even and ask them, hey, have you ever seen someone go through something like this? They might give you an example of a celebrity, a historical figure, a friend. And you start to then just figure those out. Then instead of sitting down and typing them, this is what happens as well. People think, I'm going to give a speech. I need to write my script. Except we don't write the way that we speak. And so then what happens is you have this script that you're rehearsing and it sounds really jilted. Like we all become like really British or something informal. It's like, <laughs> hello, whilst I have you in front of me, I'd like to talk about content marketing. And the reality is we don't read the way that we speak. And so what I would say is skip the typewriter, skip the, the typewriter, like it's 1924. <laughs> Computer, skip the keyboard, get your phone, hit record and go take that list of ideas and just start talking on them. As if there were people in front of you, as if it was a real story, what happened first and then what happened next. Get on your feet. I call that stage to page. I lead these stage to page weekends and stage to page workshops where we work on stories and ideas in a, in a flash and like a weekend you leave with a list of them. So walk around and talk to yourself because the, the other thing is not only do we not speak like we write, we also don't listen like we read. So think about that. If yeah. you read something like what I just said, and you're like, wait, what was that? You can go back and read it again. If you're in front of someone, they don't get to rewind you. And so a lot of times they'll just miss your important point. So I, so I advise everyone, don't start on paper. Jot bullet points down and then get up, walk around, get on your Peloton, whatever you do. Although I've seen people on Pelotons, they probably can't speak very clearly there. That's a hard workout. <laughs> and start to, start to put some energy behind these stories. What often happens if you let yourself with some freedom is it goes in a place you never expected and you end up with a much cooler story because sitting down at a keyboard is very linear in our brain. I'm here and I'm trying to write this. And if I don't like a word I said, I backspace myself. And then I end up with this edited version versus if I'm talking and recording, I can't backspace myself. It's there and I'll figure out what to do with it later. So that's how I use improv for that purpose. I also have a book. There's this great book called Improv for Writers. And I often don't use it for writing, but I'll take the ideas from it and use them for walk around and see what's going on. Another idea is Start to think about when you see people out, if you're at Starbucks, you've got your headphones in and instead of taking a break and going to Facebook and fighting with strangers on the internet over politics, look around the room and say, huh, I wonder what that person's about and start to start to notice the way they sit, the way they move, start to type out even a little character about them. And what that does, it may not be something you ever use, but what it does is it starts to train you to look at the world differently because as professional communicators, storytellers, public speakers, salespeople, business leaders, our job is to look around the world and have a point of view on it. And if you start to train yourself to say, well, how, is, how were the Grammys just like, uh, just like buying a new car? 
force yourself to, to think that. You'll find it. It'll be there. You'll find that. That is where interesting, insightful things come from, which will be new and interesting information for your audience as you work on developing it. Oh, that's such good advice. <laughs> such good advice. I'm going to go write stories in Starbucks about all the people there. <laughs> <laughs> There's some really fun characters in a Starbucks. I'll oh, tell you that. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. It's, it is interesting, distracting, especially in bigger cities. I mean, I'm sure LA, LA is probably one of the funnest in, in New York <laughs> City. And then, yeah. That's great. Well, That's one of the funny things about LA is you look around, you're like, how do all these people, what are they doing at one o'clock in the afternoon? And you realize it's a city of writers, actors, performers who all have weird jobs and they don't have to, San Diego is like that too. There's so many online entrepreneurs in San Diego as well. Surfers, uh, interesting people that it's like, oh yeah, they don't have a job they have to be at at one o'clock. Yeah. It's, a, it's so funny. And everyone's got a screenplay to pitch you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> They're like, you're in video. Let me tell you about my screenplay. <laughs> uh, uh, no offense to my friends have pitched their screenplays. <laughs> uh, Mike, this has been awesome. Um, you, we're going to have you back on the new podcast to talk about your next venture, but in the meantime, you can go to mikeganino.com, click on the show notes, go to free storytelling guide and are you going to have any more of those workshops you were talking about anytime soon? Cause those sounded yeah, really we're going to, we're going to get those kicked up. The best way to do that is if you go to, like you said, go to mikeanino.com slash storycraft, even you'll get on the, you'll get this really cool guide to help you with everything we've talked about today. Like what stories should you tell? And a bunch of the prompts too, like, what is this like? And that like, so it helps you shape the stories and then, uh, and then we'll be connected email. You can email me. And then as we launch these, uh, weekend and, and weekday, even retreats around finding the stories for your business, the stage to page, you'll be in the know. Cause we'll have a bunch of them coming up this spring and summer. And, uh, and we're doing a really cool retreat on that in wine country too. So that'll be super fun oh, wow. uh, for folks that are into having a little sip and doing some storytelling. We'll, we'll be doing it all. And you can write off your trip to wine country. <laughs> you know what? This is, this is what it's about, right? We go into these entrepreneurial things to create a life. So do, it, do a <laughs> do life. It. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, all of you listening that, you know, Mike is, is a real deal. Obviously he's done it and helped, but this stuff will not only transform, you know, getting you in stages, but being able to speak and be able to do these things will transform your business in ways that you cannot imagine and make you better on video too. So definitely be following, listen to Mike, download the podcast and I, you know, go to mikeganino.com and uh, slash storycraft, get all that information. Mr. Ganino, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This was a, this was, this was, isn't it funny? You can be like, this was work. This wasn't work. This was a blast. Thanks for having me. I, and I appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you all for taking Mike and I on your journey. This has been I and garlic and the garlic marketing show. Video, you know, it'll make you an authority. You know, it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, 
as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook. 